Welcome back to another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast. It's AJ, and he is Tyler. What's going on, man? We're back. It's been a long time, um, but we are we are back and uh, excited about college football around the corner. Yeah, so many things happened this offseason that I can't wait to get into. Uh, it was an exciting season last year, and I'm ready to get into another one with you. We're going to be back weekly uh, until the end of college football season. So it's exciting. Let's do it. Yeah, excited about that. Um, and we we left off in a very exciting national championship last season. Took a little um, spring and summer break, and we're we're back ready to recap stuff. But I did want to start with where we left off. We had Georgia and TCU in the national championship. The dogs come out on top. We don't have to recap that whole game as much as I would love to as a, as a Georgia fan. We try to stay as um, – as in the middle, as unbiased as we can. But um, what did you come away from that game in just like the 10,000-foot view of where Georgia is at, where college football is at? Um, what were the biggest takeaways from a national championship? Them dogs as hell, man. I mean, it was yeah. just the most thoroughly dominating uh, one-sided game. Um, unfortunately, we can't always get things right. I, I think this is – going to give a glaring uh, issue to the four-team playoff that we have. I think one of the big things uh, that just made it like so clear is the entire game was relatively penalty-free. Uh, each team only gave up one penalty. Obviously, Georgia gets an offsides that, you know, really helps them with a free play and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, other, than, other than that, I think it's the turnover battle. TCU had a fumble and two interceptions. It definitely didn't help them. And then uh, – their third down conversions, they were two of 11 on third down, which isn't going to win you any kind of game. I don't care whether it's a national championship or you're playing a division two opponent, two of 11 on third down is just not going to cut it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just think it was, um, you know, TC was beat before they walked out on that field. I think, um, I think they lose that game 10 times out of 10, but I don't know if it gets out of hand like that. 10 times out of 10, you know, like that might happen once or twice out of 10 games if they were to play. But, um, yeah, just an absolute – a perfect showing for Stetson Bennett, a perfect showing for the Georgia um, offense and how explosive it can be, Um, a a perfect showing for that defense, even though they give up seven, Um, just an absolute uh, dominant performance against TCU. So, um, but, yeah, what what do you have to say about, um, you know – more about where Georgia is at. Are there, um, is this a dynasty yet? Uh, does it, do you have to get a third one? Do you have to follow it up with a third one to make this a dynasty? Like where is Kirby smart sitting in the, in the realm of, um, uh, of the best coaches in college football right now? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll use the forbidden D word and dynasty. I don't think you have to win it so many times in order to be a dynasty. I think you got to be in the conversation. I think you got to, make a make a run for the championship every year. Alabama wasn't going back to back to back or you know winning it every single year during their dynasty, which we'll get into a little bit later, maybe in another podcast whether or not that's still going on. Um yeah. but I think you, you got to be in the conversation. I, I think if you're not at the very least one of the at large teams in the playoffs every year, uh, if you can do that, then I'll go ahead and, you know, put the word dynasty out there. I think Kirby Smart uh, and what he's built is something that we haven't seen in college football yet. 
Um, just making it different from what Nick Saban did. I'm not saying Nick Saban hasn't built anything, um, but it's just different and it's constantly evolving, which is what I think makes this something that can last in order to be a dynasty in the future. I think that's a great point. And uh, I think, you know, this season is so interesting because it's kind of uh, a gap year uh, in some ways. You know, you talk about the four-team playoff, this being the last year of that. Uh, we will be moving to a 12-team playoff going forward. Um, obviously, lots of realignment in college football over this past offseason and more to come in the future. Um, the Big 12 looking different. The Pac-12 looking uh Maybe like it might not be a conference moving forward. The Big Ten looking different. Um, the SEC looking different this next year. So um, just a lot to kind of be um, thinking about going into this college football season, about how much change is on the horizon uh, in the sport. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, even with, you know, transfer portal, NIL, you know, always constantly evolving and we're figuring out the rule changes as they come along with that. Uh, it's such an evolving sport right now that it's not going to be the college football that uh, a lot of people have grown up with over the last couple of decades. Is This is a completely uh, evolving sport, and it's going to look way different than it has in the past. I think you're right. I think, um, you know, like we talked about already, but just the way the conferences are going to be set up now, um, a lot of conferences – uh, are going to be playing more games each year. Uh, they're going to be playing, um, you know, uh, different opponents than they have. A lot of uh, traditional rivalries are going to be disappearing. Um, you know, you talk about like Oklahoma and Oklahoma State have played for 120 years, and this will be the last year that they'll play. Um, so just uh, stuff like that, um, just kind of reshaping college football will be uh, very interesting to follow throughout the year. Um but I did want to talk about, you know, I, there was a lot that went on this offseason. One of the biggest storylines that has grabbed national attention is Coach Deion Sanders taking over at Colorado, take, uh, moves from Jackson State to take over uh, for the Buffaloes. And, I mean, just a total upheaval of that program. You've seen like over 50 transfers in and out, um, just a total rebuild of that program. Obviously, the huge storylines because Dion is Coach Prime and he is um, obviously attracting attention. Um, obviously, you know some kids like to play for him. So, um, what do you? What are your expectations for Colorado this year? Like, is this something that is going to take a while, or is this something where we could see Dion have immediate success? Where do you see Buffalo? I mean, obviously, they're going to be in the news because it's Coach Prime. But uh, how how much of a quick turnaround can we actually expect for Colorado? Yeah, it's tough to stay. Um, they're sitting right around 50 players and enter the transfer portal from the time that he got in there. So it does look like a little bit of mess right now. But Dion is getting his guys in his system that he wants to be there. Um, and And while it looks like he's kind of flipped the program on its head, I definitely think that it's for the better when you're talking about a – a one win Colorado team. Um, they yeah. sold out their spring game, which uh, is great, you know, revitalizing the fan base, uh, especially in the NIL era where they need all the support that they can get, especially financially. Um, that's a big thing. You know, they're still looking to find all the money that they guaranteed to pay Dion himself. Right. So when you're talking about bringing in these big time 
uh, transfers and recruits that they're promising all this NIL to. Um, I think that they need to do something like that. So he's uh, as far as the team goes and the players, uh, I don't know if you've watched a lot. Uh, Deion Sanders, one of his sons actually does like their social media and has like a little YouTube channel where he yeah. uh, posts all their stuff. The team looks small, man. Like they are undersized offensively. I find them somewhat unimpressive right now. Obviously they're going on air. They're going on, uh, or they're going against their defense or, you know, the spring, you don't get a good look at them, but they look very small and very undersized to me. Um, I kind of have them right, right now, you know, preseason looking, they got a very tough schedule, dude. I mean, they, they open up the season with an extremely tough TCU team, I believe. Yeah. Um, and I've looked over their schedule and, I, and, I, and I'm looking at like four wins, man. Right. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same place. I think, um, you know, I think long term, if Dion actually wants to plant some roots in Colorado, I think he could have some success um, in doing so. But this year, like you said, this, the schedule is kind of tough. They're in the Pac-12 for one more year before they move to the Big 12. Talked about some of that realignment already. Um so you're going to have to compete with the USC's, the Oregon's, the Washington's, the UCLA's. You know, you're having to compete with the Utah's, all of those teams on a yearly basis. So um, it's going to be tough year one, I think, for Dion. But, you know, if you if you win four or five games, I think you have a lot of people excited about the future and what he could do moving forward. So that'll be interesting to follow uh, throughout the season, kind of where Dion and Coach uh, Prime can take Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter and and all of these uh, big time transfer portal guys that they've gotten. Um, kind of speaking about the Pac-12, I wanted to get into that a little bit. You know, obviously this being Colorado's last year there, it's a lot of teams last year in the Pac-12. Like, where is this conference heading? Uh, we've got four teams uh, on the record right now that are still technically in the big, or excuse me, in the Pac-12. Um, for next season, uh, teams moving everywhere to the Big Ten, to the Big 12. Um, Pac- Pac-12 is just kind of <laughs> lonely right now. Yeah, I mean, for the Conference of Champions, it's it's looking bleak right now. And I hate to say it, um, but the Pac-12 hasn't really been good for a number of years lately. And I, I don't see at least an immediate answer of how the Pac-12 gets back to uh, being a contender in the Power Five conferences, because yeah. um, right now all your Pac-12 teams are leaving. Most of them are going to the Big Ten. We got some going to the Big Twelve. Um, so I see an issue where uh, if you're going to bring in more teams to form a conference, you're bringing in a group of five teams that probably, actually, more than probably, they don't deserve to be a power five football team. Um, And it's it's just going to more so weaken the conference to where is it even worth having it is the big question. And it's kind of tough to say, because I mean, there is a lot of history. They're the conference of champions. They didn't get that name for no reason. They just haven't lived up to it as of recent. Yeah. And I think, I think honestly, there's no way that a Cal or a Stanford who are these, you know, who think of themselves as these really prestiged academic, you know, uh, sitting up in their ivory tower type of teams. Um, I don't think they want to just start inviting Mountain West Conference or Conference USA or American Athletic Conference teams into the Pac-12 and to diminish their, (laughs) 
to diminish their standings. Um, so I don't know. I think it, you know, I think you, you have a very real scenario where you could see maybe a Stanford going independent or something like that. I don't know if Cal, if you just get rid of the program, send two other teams, Oregon state and Washington state to the mountain West. I don't know what you do from here, but, uh, I think obviously the PAC 12 will not be, um, anywhere close to what it's been in recent years moving forward. So that'll be interesting to, to kind of pay attention to that conference in, you know, one final year of the traditional PAC 12 teams going at each other before they all go their separate ways. So um, I also kind of wanted to touch on, you know, I want to, we've talked about off season stuff. I want to get excited about football that's coming. Um, so I wanted to kind of get into some, some early preseason looks at the top 10 teams, the top, you know, 15 teams, we can run through a few of them. Um, and just give me your thoughts on the preseason top 25 coaches poll that was released. We see Georgia at one, Michigan two, Alabama three, Ohio state four, LSU five, USC six, Penn State 7, Florida State 8, Clemson 9, Tennessee 10. Just looking at the top 10, what what sticks out to you there? Yeah, I, I think uh and and I might go on to regret this throughout the season, but I think Alabama has a little bit of uh historical bias going for them at number 3. I don't Ooh. think that they're better than not the I don't Georgia think guy. They're better than Ohio not the Georgia State. guy coming after Alabama. Come on. I know, I know, but I don't, I don't think they're better than Ohio State, and I don't think that they're better than the LSU team that they lost to last year. Was that game kind of a fluke? Was there a penalty, and Alabama should have won that game in overtime or the fourth quarter? Yeah, probably, but right now there's a lot of questions around that team. Um, other than that, uh, the top ten I don't completely disagree with. Um USC, I think, also gets a little bit of a bias as far as, yeah, you get the Heisman winner, Caleb Williams, coming back, great player. You lose Jordan Addison, which was probably the best receiver in college football last year. There's probably some other names you could throw up there with him, but he's definitely in the conversation. So at number six, USC, they just haven't proven anything to me yet. They haven't proved that they could sustain that type of play throughout a, throughout a season. Um, so I don't know how they go to number six. Uh, yeah. Especially losing to Utah and you know not having a great Twice. game, yeah, right, right. Um, other than that, the top ten doesn't look bad. I mean, there's also some teams that are just outside the top ten that uh, I like, but yeah. you know, once you get once you start going towards the end of the top twenty five, is where I got a little bit of the issue. Yeah, I think I agree with a lot of what you said. I agree with. You know, to me personally, obviously, it's Georgia one. I put Michigan two um, because they beat Ohio State last year and it's in Ann Arbor this year. That's kind of my viewpoint. And like, OK, you know, let's just say these games were all played on neutral field where which team do I think would win each matchup on a neutral field? I think Georgia would beat Michigan. I think Michigan would beat Ohio State. Um, for me personally, that's how it goes. It goes Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State. I'd put LSU at four and then Alabama right behind them at five. Um, I like, I can agree with that. I like Clemson more than the coaches do. I've got them at six and I think obviously we're going to find out early because they play each other, but I think Texas could be better than 12. I think I've got them around seven. Um, I like Florida state around like eight, like they have them. I put USC down at nine and then I have Tennessee at 10 like they did. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, Tennessee, USC, 
uh, Florida State, Clemson, I think, are kind of my prove it teams. Yeah. They, they're absolutely deserving of probably a top 10 spot to start the year. And obviously, these are coaches voting on who they think are going to be the good teams throughout the year. And uh, we're going to look back on this in a couple of weeks and things are going to change. Half these teams won't be in the same spot after week one. But I think as far as, you know, those four teams being kind of like prove it years where they have the ability to go really far or, you know, with who they lost and then NFL draft and throughout the offseason transfer portal things, um, it could go either way for them. Yeah, no, I think so, too. I think, you know, like I said, I I don't like USC as much. Um, I think I think Texas, like I've got I got a little bit of belief in them. I know, like you start saying that and people are like, OK, is this guy Texas is back? I'm I'm so cautious to jump on that hype train, but they played Alabama close last year. And yes, it was in Texas. It was in Austin. Um, but I just think like the the talent is there. Like Texas is uh, probably a top five in the blue chip rating as far as four and five stars on their roster in the country. So I think the talent is there. I think uh, Quinn Ewers moving forward. Um, obviously, they've named him as the QB one over Malik Murphy and freshman Arch Manning. Um, I think he is a good quarterback. We saw him before he got hurt against Alabama, lead Texas um, to some points in that game. So it isn't Bryant Denny. It isn't Tuscaloosa. It's going to be tough. But um, I think if Texas can give them a run for their money and then handle their business in their last year in the Big 12, I think that's a team that we could see, you know, in the top 10, um, maybe hovering around a college football playoff spot come the end of the year. What do you think? Yeah, they have everything there to be a really good team. I Honestly, dude, Texas, it, it's just a matter of are the dominoes going to fall the right way. Um, I think the obvious pick, Quinn Ewers at quarterback one um, over freshman Arch Manning is, is kind of just an obvious pick. A lot of people are hype around, you know, having Arch Manning, big name, everything. But Quinn Ewers is a dominant prospect in his own right and uh, should be expected to be the starter throughout his career at Texas, barring some kind of injury or uh, crazy emergence of Arch Manning in practice. Um, but they have everything there that makes up a top five college football team. It's just, can the coaching get them there and can the dominoes just fall the right way? They have a favorable schedule, obviously, like you touched on. They have a very tough away game to start the season with Alabama. But other than that, I, the outlook for this Big 12 schedule, I think, is very favorable for them. Yeah, I think so, too. I think, you know, obviously you can't have those um, trip up games against a TCU or you know, um, some of those other losses they had last year. But I think, you know, obviously you got to replace Bijan Robinson. That's going to be tough to do. But they have a stable of backs coming back. Um, talked about yours. They've got Xavier Worthy on the outside coming back um, and a lot of good pieces on that defense. Um, so I, I expect them to be good this year. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing them, you know, at around 10, 11 wins uh, just to kind of have them back in the picture. It's always fun when Texas is relevant. So um that's that's all I've got for this episode, man. We can do another episode here in a week and go over some other interesting things before the preseason. Um, do you have any final thoughts? Um, still got lots to talk about, obviously, before week one gets here. Week zero gets here in a couple weeks. But um, anything uh, you want to finish with after the first uh, episode of season two of the Saturday Six podcast? 
Uh, it's just good to be back. Stay tuned. Like I said, uh, we're going to have episodes coming out weekly now. There's still a ton to go over as far as transfer portals and uh, what the Big Ten looks like, you know, going forward. Just all kinds of cool stuff. A lot of teams emerging uh, with pretty strong rosters coming back. So uh, stay tuned. Put your Turn on your notifications and uh, let them know where we can find us. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram at Saturday6Pod. You can also give us a follow on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you listen to your podcast. Um, you can find us at uh, at Saturday6Podcast. So um, please go do that. Give us a like. Give us a rating. Um, share it with your friends. That's always the best way to kind of spread the word. Uh, we, just, we just like talking about college football. Just a couple of brothers that like to uh, sit down and talk about college football. So if you enjoy it, uh, share it with someone you love. So um, that is it for my brother, Tyler. I'm AJ. We'll catch you next time. Peace. See ya. And it's my honor to present the National Championship Trophy once again to Coach Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs.